The voice of Plucky Duck and Hampton J. Pig is in the studio with me today, and we're here to talk about Tiny Toons Luniversity, which is now available on Max, the streaming service, as well as Cartoon Network. So get your popcorn ready, because we're about to get loony. Are you ready, eager young space cadets? <laughs> Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today, it is an honor and pleasure to bring to you voice actor and actor David Arago. David, how are you doing? And welcome to the show. I'm doing great. How are you doing? And thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. I guess you can answer after the thank you. Yeah, no, it's an honor to have you and and my pleasure. I am doing well. I just got back from New York City for the first time, so I'm kind of amped. It was exhilarating. It was a lot of people. It was a lot of walking. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw that you saw um, the shark is broken. Uh, oh, a guy yeah. I know named um, Guy Masterson directed yeah. that, and then Alex Brightman is an old old pal from running in New York circles. Not pal, like, but we ran in the same circles. We know each other. Got um, it. It's been fun to see him actually getting into some voiceover stuff as well. Yeah, um, I, I know that he did some TV appearances. What, what voices has he provided? Um, Paranormal, uh, Dead End, Paranormal Park, I think it was the, oh. is the ultimate title on that. He played the, the pug, and he was, he was really fantastic. He utilized um, a great, great, great voice for the normal character, and then there's like a, a sort of demon version of the character that's a, a bit akin to his Beetlejuice voice, actually. Oh, nice. Um, he used, and they, got, they used him for singing, too. Really nice cat. Um, I, I was always happy to run into him at, at my friend Ashley Cates. Cool. Well, you just brought up a dichotomy of characters voiced by one guy and a cat, and we're going to talk about all of that. <laughs> but first, if you're tiny or toony or a little bit loony, then you've come to the right place. This is where we are talking about tiny tunes and loony tunes and anything to do with Warner Brothers animation. So... Be sure to follow and subscribe to keep up to date on the Looniverse. So, David, I'm going to throw it over to you. We are celebrating 33 years of Tiny Toons, the Let's original go. Steven Spielberg <laughs> Presents Tiny Toons Adventures. Now, this was near and dear to my heart growing up. Did you have a connection to the original show? And were you watching it religiously like everyone else? Yes, definitely. Um, grew up with the show um, to the point where my sister and I actually had the um, Tiny Toon Adventures, How I Spent My Vacation videotape and like basically wore it out. Um, yeah. We had like uh, Tiny Toons Buster Bust Loose on the Super Nintendo played. Amazing game. Heck out of that. A huge fan uh, of those stories and, and that that era of of animation on the whole. I mean, that whole sort sort of we'll say five years on either side of tiny tunes right you've got some really really wonderful stuff happening you've got you've got the um first steps of of cartoon network where we're getting really really cool sort of um older education right i'm sitting there watching josie and the pussycats and jabberjaw and and the herculoids and and space ghost the original run cartoons and yeah. um 
you know, all of that stuff alongside um, the Fox Kids Afternoon, you know, the the X-Men, Spider-Man, um, you know, and we, we get into uh, Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, Hysteria, Freakazoid. Um, Batman the Animated Series. Batman the Animated Series. All of that stuff just sort of contributed. Um, it's like the perfect storm of an education for somebody who winds up wanting to do voiceover. Absolutely. And it was such a boon for us children. Like we were learning, we were growing, we, our minds were expanding and these cartoons were so vibrant and in our faces, we couldn't help but be enamored by what was happening. And it was such a renaissance for Looney Tunes. And because of the shot in the arm that was Saturday morning cartoons (laughs) and the resurgence through tiny tunes. I can't even believe how I forgot though. Like, (laughs) The start of Cartoon Network, so much of that was running the classic Looney Tunes. Yes, absolutely. Rhapsody Rabbit was one of the first cartoons ever put on Cartoon Network. Mm. (laughs) And real quick, because you mentioned it, how I spent my vacation... You and I have this weird, is it a Mandela effect? Is it not? Because <laughs> I remembered it as how I spent my summer vacation. And Same. I can clearly see it on the VHS. And it says Absolutely. summer. <laughs> we almost went loony from counting days till June. Now this afternoon, summertime is here. A three-month vacation for kids across the nation. Well, and but are they the Bernstein Bears or the Bernstein Bears? Absolutely, there's no A. There is um, no A. It was always Bernstein. Just full-on <laughs> Matrix stuff. They reprogrammed that. <laughs> they were like, um, so here's what we like, and here's what we don't like. We like the letter A. We don't like the letter E. And we're just sitting, uh, all of us are just like, well... I guess we forgot that because um, we decided we all liked the letter E. Right? Whoops. Yeah. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills every time there's a new Mandela effect. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, I remember the old universe. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> I guess yeah, somebody changed the timeline. <laughs> I, I blame Barry Allen. A- absolutely. Yes, yeah. we should. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking with DC Canon. Um, so, Tiny Toons obviously made an impact in our childhoods and we have these characters babs buster plucky hampton you are voicing two of the mainstays two really big characters oh and sweetie i cannot throw sweetie under the bus here sweetie bird is amazing and candy milo did such a fantastic job and in the og killing and now tessa oh my gosh yeah tessa is like in the same way that, like, I, you listen to Rob Paulson talk about the 2012 Ninja Turtle series, and when he gets to a certain point, he goes, and who could be better cast as Michelangelo than Greg Sipes? <laughs> and, I mean, when you think about Greg Sipes, you're like, hey, bro, yeah, be Yakusha. <laughs> like, we're going to go out and we're going to kick some mutant butt, bro. Like, yeah. Absolutely. That, <laughs> that actually really, I think he said that on Tuesday. That's great that he's on this cartoon. Similarly, you meet <laughs> Tessa, and Tessa's like, "Yeah, baby, I'm gonna live my life." 
um, and is is one of the most genuine and endearing people that you can get to know ever. I mean, hers and Joe's wedding also was like the event of the century um, oh, because man. of how much she incorporated how much they incorporated their personalities into it. And you can just like, you can feel Tessa come through sweetie. And it's just so perfect. You can never leave her out. You're right. It was good that we highlighted that and then went back to it. Yeah. I, I Yeah. Obviously you can't leave Tessa out. And, and yeah, she's like a ball of energy that they somehow harnessed into <laughs> a, a purple bird. <laughs> yep, and it's yep. fantastic, but let's take it to plucky and Hampton for you because this is such a weird situation going on. The originals, Don Messick was Hampton and Joe Alasky, rest in peace, both of them, right? Yes, uh, was absolutely. Plucky. And they were phenomenal. And you are you're channeling them, but you're bringing huh. your own energy and, and you're bringing your own uniqueness to it. Can you talk about specifically those two? Do you have any core memories yeah. of watching Tiny Toons Adventures and those classic <sighs> shorts, but around those characters? I mean, so much, so much of what what I remember is from from watching the video over and over, right? And so you've got yeah. just a treasure trove of stuff from the from the backseat. Proceed due east along this frontage road, then hang a left at Beloit and jog northwesterly along Route 647 for a couple of dozen parsecs. That'll put us into Happy World Land at oh, roughly April 6, 2021. I know the way, Plucky. Thank you. Yeah, you you know you're you're having Plucky complain about Uncle Stinky, but like trying to do it in ways that are not really aggressive, but definitely there. Um, you know, because because he doesn't want to get kicked out of this trip to Happy World Funland. Yeah. Um, and even you know the moment of him sort of pouting, and then the family being like, "Oh, come on with us," and the sweetness, the the crustless bread I can picture in my in my mind's eye, like I, I, I mostly picture them in the back seat. If I'm being honest, okay. and then as far as totally Lucky fair. goes, I go back to a lot of the like the um, ball go down the hole, you know, with the um, the, <laughs> the baby Plucky. For some reason, <laughs> baby Plucky just stood out for me. I pussy, I pussy, I pussy. Yes, you did, huh? And it ain't a go Absolutely. And also, I think that's a good lesson. Like, be careful what you wish for. Because Plucky really wanted to go on that road trip. And he really wanted to go <laughs> to Happy World. And then as soon as he gets in that truck he's or van, he's like, oh, no, what did I get myself into? There's oh, so yeah. many obstacles here. <laughs> oh, there's that that visual Uncle Stinky, like, burps or breathes on him or, or just smells. Yeah. And, and Plucky is like, Ugh, and he's frozen. <laughs> and his paint melts off. Cute <laughs> me. Has to be repainted. <laughs> uh, ugh. Being parched and the the tongue out and it's just a desert. Yeah, and the oh, water almost the... touching his tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good stuff. That was Fantastic. at the pit stop, right? Man, it's been a while since I've watched it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a minute. And that honestly was actually one of the first direct-to-VHS animated movies that ever was produced. And Spielberg oh, wow. was like a real adamant about it coming to VHS because he knew that a large portion of the animated crowd and audience was at home, was oh, the yeah. kids at home. And so and it actually did really good numbers. 
I bet. I mean, the things I watched on repeat were on VHS. They were the the Disney um, features. They were uh, <laughs> X-Men Night of the Sentinels that you got at yeah. Pizza Hut on VHS. <laughs> I um, they, they, it was Tiny Toon, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. Like having it on demand and on repeat at that time was such a novelty that um, you were that much more inclined to go back to the same thing over and over where now having things on demand, you've also got nine bojillion other things. (laughs) So like, I feel like repeat viewing is a little bit lower. Yes, absolutely. um, On, on a, on a major scale. I think there are still things, especially for, for young folks who, or where they will, um, gravitate to it and be like all right i am watching this season for the ninth time <laughs> um and i can only hope that our show um becomes that for some people oh absolutely i think it will i think it's well on its way and i cannot wait to see more of it but mm. let's talk about your career because i want to see how you got here and and how it's changed you in your journey as a as an actor So working on the daytime Emmy nominated show, Ridley Jones as Dudley, congratulations on that nomination, by the way, last year. Thank you. Um, And providing the voice of Ferb in Phineas and Ferb, the movie Candace Against the Universe. Mm -hmm. How has that impacted your career so far? I mean, um, Ferb has been this like pseudo skeleton key. It felt like Mm. Um, I moved to Los Angeles in 2016 um in august and i got representation december of 2017 and um booked or excuse me december of 2016 booked ferb december of 2017 so within a year of of representation in town um i was lucky enough to get my first proper prelay disney animation thing right and um how that happened was they they uh, Dan and Swampy the creators decided to do a crossover episode for their other show Milo Murphy's Law um and they asked the cast back uh Thomas declined I have no idea why but I would love to thank him thank you um and uh they sent out auditions turned out I could sound like the guy so then they brought me in um which one of my favorite stories was as soon as I walk in Dan Povenmire goes hey uh before you say anything are you from England? Swampy's the only one that thinks that you're not. And I went, oh, no, man. I was born in North Carolina and raised about an hour below Alabama. If I wasn't thinking about it, I'd talk to you like this. And he goes, <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah! Fantastic, sir. Um, so then the cool thing about that uh, was, like, little bits and bobs would also sort of happen between there and the release of the movie or the announcement that somebody else was taking over the role, i.e. me. Um, But then, honestly, going into audition for Ridley Jones with Chris Nee, one of the greatest creators we have. I mean, I've I've been so blessed to work with such crazy good creators and showrunners. There's so many wonderful people in animation. I just feel like it's overlooked. I am I am spoiled with the people that I get to work with. Um, it's <laughs> it's crazy. But anyway, so I, I walk into this callback for um, Ridley Jones and immediately the casting director, uh, Maria Estrada, she goes, hey, Chris, this is David. He's the new Phineas. I go, Ferb. She goes, Ferb. 
Um, and <laughs> immediately Chris Nee goes, ah, oh, Dan and Swampy, I love those guys. And comes up to me and gives me a hug. Now that's, that's something that I consider an intangible um, benefit to, to a role, right? Yeah. Because yeah. what that meant, or at least, at least what I've internalized from that moment going forward was that there was a level of comfort and trust in the room that maybe not everybody else got to experience because the, um, the showrunner of the show I was auditioning for knew and trusted people who have already hired me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a hurdle for any new actor, right? Sure. Um, you can be insanely good. You can be the, the, the next very, very best thing, which I'm not even, I'm nowhere near claiming, but you could be empirically. And until somebody takes a chance on you, other people by and large will be disinclined. So until you get that sort of one stamp of approval, it's almost like people want to be able to say, I don't know, they were good in that other thing. I don't know what happened. <laughs> so that they sort of don't have to um, carry the weight of that choice. And so having mm -hmm. having the folks at Disney, having Kristen Piva, um, uh, Swampy and Dan take that chance on me in something so front-facing, I think brought down a ton of walls. And then, I mean, getting cast in Ridley Jones and being able to work with the the insanely talented people that I was working with, I mean... We go in for our sessions because we started out the show um, doing group records. And okay. to my to my right was my buddy Tyler, who I met through the show, and then Ashlyn Madden. So Tyler Shammy, Ashlyn Madden. And then right to their left, you got Bob Bergen. Right to his Imagine. left, you've got Lorraine Newman. So wow. I'd be doing things like... Oh, okay. So Ridley, you got to make sure that you don't go through that door. And my my focus would shoot to, you know, Bob or Lorraine or Ashlyn or Tyler because I was taking in every bit of information that I could. I felt I felt so stinking lucky to be in that show. And then, I mean, to be nominated uh, for for one of the first Children's and Family Emmys uh, for voice acting for that role um, was was also just such a whew. Uh, very very cool moment because now like uh, and Eric and I were, were talking about this a little bit Eric Bauza, um, he's like yeah David now you're always going to be Emmy nominated I'm like that's that is pretty cool that is really cool yeah well congratulations on it um, and I hope uh, that one day just like Bauza, you'll get the win and then you'll be Emmy winner David Erga well <laughs> not for nothing and I'm really <laughs> I'm hoping that he is some kind of profit. Um, we went to Comic-Con this summer, right? Um, yeah. And uh, we we attended the screening. Um, WB opted not to have the panel, which totally understand, you know. Um, technically, the it was a non-struct contract, contract. We could have done it, but, you know, hedged their bets, all of that stuff. And Solidarity, yes, let's go. Let's get these strikes done, baby. Absolutely. But we, we went and we watched the show because it was our first opportunity to see episodes in their in their entirety as opposed to doing like ADR and things and 
the second one finishes and we stand up in our seats and it's uh me then tessa then ashley uh and behind us was eric and we all sort of like make this clump hug um and as i peel off eric reaches out and he sort of like pokes me in the shoulder and he goes dude this is your emmy and i went Uh, so, you know, fingers crossed that, uh, it won't be this year that it's eligible, but, uh, the next cycle for next year, fingers crossed that we can, uh, bring home, uh, uh, an award for the duck. Cause you know, he wants one fingers, toes, and webbed feet everywhere are <laughs> clinched for this. And absolutely. Eric is not only a prophet when it comes to these kind of things, but he does have this nobility and this sensibility that he he can tap into and he is just the nicest individual oh my goodness and i'm so glad that he's a part of this show alongside everybody and it was so is, cool to be there for his win because that was his sixth nomination and yeah. his, his first win and to be in the audience for that i was taking like a ton of pictures and was like hey buddy at uh at some point when you when you're free i'll airdrop you a bunch of pictures he's like oh thanks man <laughs> that's great um so back to you We had this really fun conversation on Batman Day about Plucky Duck as Bat Duck taking over the entire poll, which should have been should have gone to Plucky Duck as Bat Duck. uh, But I unfortunately didn't have enough space. (laughs) You're onto something because I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Bat Duck. (laughs) Do you think we're going to get to see superheroes in? Uh, Tiny Tunes. Like you know, I, would I don't love even to have see to... Plucky and Hampton don the cape and cowl. So would I, even if it was just a nod backwards, because I'm a sucker for Easter eggs. Yeah, me I too. love, I love something like that. Like when you're watching the 2012 Turtle series and the Krang has the fork on its head. Are you kidding? Like, let's go the tuning <laughs> fork. Um, yeah, I would love to see them even just like go to a a convention and that's what they decide decide to dress as, or yeah. you know, um. Uh, there's there's an action adventure class that they sign up for, and that's how they get partnered. Um, that would be great. I and I can say these ideas because they have not happened in scripts. <laughs> <laughs> if they had happened in scripts, you would see me being a lot more awkward and deflecting. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your candidness. And definitely, I, I love what Nate Cash and Aaron Gibson are doing with these scripts and how they're treating these characters. Yeah. And th- bringing such talented individuals like yourself on to voice them and bring life. Can you tell me about the process that you went through from audition to callbacks to finding out that you are going to breathe life, as I call it, into these iconic Tiny Toons characters? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, uh, Hampton was was actually cast without even a callback. Oh, wow. Um, It was just off the initial audition. Um, They sent out some great sides. And uh, what Aaron wound up telling me later was that it was because even though um, there was like a potential negative in the scene that they sent out, like he could have come across mopey. There was this sort of uh, upbeat um, sort of uh, d- uh, delivery to uh, 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 what I see as uh, a mother. A mother who's disappointed in her son. A mother and a grandmother who are disappointed in their boy. <laughs> um, and she's like, <laughs> there was just something about the sweetness and the optimism in him. 
which yeah. is fun because that's like one half of um it's one side of the coin of my personality i really am a very positive person i, I i've had people <laughs> characterize me as happy-go-lucky um and and uh optimistic um so so that was fun but then in in the audition process for for plucky it was all about um finding his pseudo abrasive traits right yeah. they could be uh without making him cr- come across as a jerk for selling student secrets you snitching varmint oh this must be some kind of misunderstanding nope all them stories in that paper of yours are secrets that will told to happen in condiments confidence this is what we have to do we have to make sure that he doesn't come off as forgive me a dick Sure. And so what we wound up sort of leaning into in that way is a worldview issue, right? Yeah. He's just right. He's just confident that he's right. He's not being mean to anybody. Other people just don't know. And <laughs> um, I think when you have that and that sort of pseudo obliviousness, that's how you get somebody to come across not as mean but as almost pitiable because mm. they don't know, they don't understand the world in certain ways. And where that relates to uh, the other side of my personality coin is I have a little bit of what I call my idiotic optimism. Um, and it's, it's just this belief that like career wise, I'm going to succeed. I, I couldn't tell you why, cause I, I can't read the future, but I know it's going to happen because everybody's going to figure it out. Like, <laughs> it's like, there's something pseudo inbuilt and no, I don't have the same sort of need to tell people about how much I'm going to succeed as plucky might, but having that inbuilt belief and then amplifying it in ways that you, you create a comfortable or or, or a character who is very comfortable saying, listen, I am the best actor on this whole campus. How could you even consider not casting me? (laughs) No, seriously. How could, like, how? (laughs) It goes into manifestation, I think, and it's positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. that you put out there, and it definitely comes back in some form or another. I think what you have definitely tapped into is both of these traits, and for different characters, you have this humble, sweeter side, and then you, it's not egotistical, but it is this overwhelming positive outlook on the world being in your favor. And, yeah. <laughs> and I think what you have channeled is exactly that. And it, it plays really well with the characters that you're inhabiting. So yeah, fantastic, fantastic logic to, to these cartoon <laughs> well, characters. It's, it's funny. Cause like in college, because I knew what I wanted so much in my, in my mm. pre-program, um, a lot of people actually characterized me as cocky. Oh, okay. um, and then, then people who would get to know me would be like, oh, no, you're, you're actually really supportive and, and kind and, and yeah. you know, thoughtful. <laughs> but the, the, um, the belief that I had, there was the, we were doing a production of uh, Bat Boy one year, right? And it was, it was going to audition in the fall semester, and we were finishing up first year um, – and our, our acting one, two teacher was like, so what do you want out of next year? And I said, I'm going to be Bat Boy. And 
you can imagine the ire that that earned from the rest of the class. Yeah. There were a lot of people like, you cocky little jerk. I can only imagine. (laughs) And I was like, well, I mean, that's just, that's what I want. That's and and what I did that summer was I went home, I listened to the album like every day. I sang along with it. Um, I lost like thirty pounds, um, so that I could be on stage in just a little tiny cheesecloth thing. Yeah. Um, and worked really hard and came in and auditioned and nabbed the role. Um, because I think you know if you have if you have that positive belief that positive mindset. Um, and you're not just being cocky about it, right? You also back it up with action because you yes. can you can affect uh, the likely outcome of something by putting in work towards it, right? It's that it's that funny thing um, that a lot of people missed with the secret, right? A lot of people with the secret, they're like, oh, so like I'm gonna say that I want this, and it'll just come to me. And what you have to do is go, no, I'll, hey, I'm gonna say that I want this. And then telling myself that I want it is going to inform my actions as I move toward it. Yeah, um, exactly. And I think that that's probably a real gift um, of, of having that idiotic optimism, that, that quote-unquote cockiness is like if you follow it up with action, you can achieve a lot. It's a blessing and a curse, but it's more of a blessing if you don't, you know, put it out there too much or in, yeah. in front of people's faces. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you just, you know, say it to yourself and, and in a given situation, I, I think it does have positive reinforcement to, to any given situation. Well, and the other wonderful thing is I don't just believe it for myself. I believe that it's completely possible for most other people as well. Yeah. Um, and that's why I don't feel bad about having the feeling. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I want other people to succeed. Come on. Let's yeah. go. High that's tide all, that's all succeed. <laughs> I hope everyone listening to this is inspired by these words and you you do drive towards a goal and, and you are able to to complete it uh, within a timely manner and then grow from there. Because that's that's what this is all about. It's like learning, inspiring, growing, and ah. just, you know, on a human level, trying to figure all this out because why are we here? You know, it's the yeah. age old question. Oh, I mean, as far as goals go, my dad always instilled in me, they should be smart, yeah. um, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Why am I so alone? Why am I? Whoa, I wasn't informed there'd be singing on the first day. Is there a vocal competition afoot? Uh, no, I Because even though I am not prepared, I will succeed. How fun is it to play Plucky? Like, just to get in the booth and oh, just it's go a blast. with it. It is an absolute blast. When you have great scripts, too, you get to really lean into, okay, how can I just have fun with these words? As yeah. opposed to going, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to keep this afloat? Because um, we've all done that. We've all done, like, bad productions of sure. things. Thank goodness I haven't done a lot of that with voiceover. I don't know what it is. Thank you, voiceover writers. Uh, you do a good job. Um, <laughs> but I've been a part of some projects where I'm like, oh, man, I don't know how to make this work. <laughs> um, and so when you get to sort of go into the playground as someone like Plucky, like I will mess up uh, reading and he will insult me. Um, unconsciously, <laughs> like he will tell me to get my act together and that I'm making him look bad. 
hilarious. Um, and it's just like you're in that headspace and it just rolls out yeah. um, from from being fed so much on the page. Um, you just it's so easy to stay in that in that headspace. I mean, that's my thing. Like, hey, writer strike ended. Let's go. Um, I'm, a, I'm an actor who very, very much uh, finds awe in in writers um, because the, the secret is. If the writing is great, the actors don't have to be that good. <laughs> um, which is not to say that great a- actors can't elevate less than great scripts, but absolutely. great scripts absolutely elevate less than great actors. Yeah, it's a hand-holding process, and, and yeah. that's the beauty of art is that it does lift up all ships when everyone's doing a really good job. Yeah. So as far as the dichotomy of playing one or the other, are, are you in your head? Are you having like a strange case of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde going on? Or is it like, does one character pop up and be like, Oh no, it's my time to shine. <laughs> um, not, not particularly. I liken it to um, a hallway of doors. Do you remember? Um, the Matrix, I want to say Revolutions, where they're yeah, I, or, or Reloaded. I, what was the I second one? I'm an unapologetic Matrix enthusiast and lover. Um, it's Reloaded is reloaded. whenever we go into the back doors. Yep. So you're in that hallway and uh, door, 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 right? Mm-hmm. When I'm in the room that's labeled Plucky, there's there's no Hampton in there. When I'm in the room that's labeled Hampton, there's no Plucky in there. And so the the switching back and forth is all good the playing them differently is all good because then if if it's me i'm in the hallway um and so they don't they don't invade each other too 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 much um there's always a conscious awareness of um the the aural traits Mm -hmm. of of each character so you know if i'm if i'm doing (laughs) oh then uh for um for plucky then i'm gonna go oh <laughs> like there's there's a little more texture on that there's like hampton's just gonna do a little uh ha is gonna be plucky like there's just a an aural awareness more than a personality yeah. awareness um because they do need need by the nature of the of the medium to be distinct um yeah, that makes a lot of sense but they don't they don't mentally pull toward each other that much the voices themselves are not they're not meant to be recreations of of Don or Joe's original voices. What they are is what I remember of them. That's mm. where they started, um, and they're they're terrible impressions. If you actually go back and you listen, mine sound nothing like them. Right. But um, because of my love for them, I think there's a similar core, mm-hmm. um, and I think for the, from the consistency in the writing too, that helps keep me on track. But um, it's it's these bad impressions of what I remember them sounding like. So, I mean, I guess <laughs> I should also really thank them. Uh, rest in peace. Um, yeah, Don Messick and Joe Alasky. Yeah, it, it's I, I love the opportunities when um, I get to play them legitimately back and forth to one another. Um, and we we've done that a bit through the recording, but then also um, <laughs> Tessa's husband Joe is a huge Plucky Duck fan, huge. 
So nice. for his birthday for the last couple of years, I will record him a message and like sing him a song. Um, and I think if memory serves, at the end of the song, um, Plucky said, and that'll be double scale. And uh, <laughs> then Hampton was like, oh, come on, be kind. It's his birthday or something like that. Like, it's just, uh, <laughs> have fun playing off of each other, but yeah. not necessarily. There, there's no friction between them. So I'm going to need your phone number after this. <laughs> <laughs> I need Plucky I on speed dial. Your, in your Instagram. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fantastic. Oh, she did a video of him reacting to the video too, or to the audio, and it was just so wonderful to to see that like six year old on his face. Oh, um, <laughs> it, it, that's my favorite um, party trick as a voice actor is like melting away the years on people. Yeah, um, especially because we're we're generally um, anonymous in most rooms. Um, you know, we can go to conventions, and I mean, right now. Uh, Thank goodness, and I'm I'm treasuring this for now. I can go to conventions and still walk the floor, and a couple of people will notice me. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, you're um, in that sweet spot. In that sweet spot. Yeah. Um, but it's it's what I sort of consider like conditional fame, because like there, maybe a couple of people will recognize me. The Burbank Town Center, <laughs> ain't nobody gonna care. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, oh yeah. Uh, Hey, guy in weird shirt. <laughs> so what is, and I, I hope that you can speak to this because I'm very curious. What is Plucky's biggest strength for you voicing him that lends itself to achieving a great performance? Like you leave the booth and you're like, that was Plucky. I did it. I nailed it. And and the same for Hampton. Like, is there something in the script or is it something that you latch on to that you're like, okay, that's what I need for these characters to work? Um, or is it I, just I, instinct? I, I think a, a lot of it is instinct, right? Because the, the, my main priority before going into any um, recording session is obviously to um, read the script. Um, <laughs> priority but, number one. <laughs> But I, yeah, I, I don't do a ton of um, <clears throat> pre, pre-work outside of like just trusting the characters that we've built and we've established. Um, because I find that for me, if I over, if I over massage a, a, a script, it becomes stale. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think I actually have to take it a little bit more macro than the question um because because you're asking about sort of sort of micro considerations for the characters i yeah. think i have to go macro and trust my loony education i, I have that. to trust my um cartoon knowledge that um it's like much of acting right Tr do the work forget the work trust the work mm -hmm. um and and i think Having spent hour upon hour upon hour watching Looney Tunes, you know, having spent <laughs> hundreds of times watching how I spent uh, my vacation, yeah. having listened to hundreds of hours of Rob Paulson's Talking Tunes podcast and interviews with other actors about how they do stuff. Great podcast, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Big, big fan. I consider that my cartoon university. I owe that man at least Miami nomination. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but trusting that all of that will show up, right? There's there's something I've said in a couple of other interviews. There's there's a moment in one episode where there's there's supposed to be like a <gasps> from Plucky, and um, as we were in the session, I was like. You know, there's this thing that Daffy does every now and then where he just goes, Mother! Um, oh, yeah. And I Big said, fan. At, at this point, we know that Plucky's mom's name is Maria, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I said, so can we please, can I Can I try Maria? Um, and we <laughs> did that sort of, it's like, it's a deep, deep cut, right? Yeah. But I'm hoping that, that kind of thing when it shows up will support. There's also, there's that difference um, with, you know, a character uh, in, in the, the Luniverse where, you know, a, a scream in a lot of cartoons is going to be, ah! but in, uh, in the, the, the Looney Tunes world, it's like that whole, ah! you know, <laughs> and having the knowledge to, I mean, it's it's a difference, right? It is. It that is. No, it is. Yeah. Open sure. space. It's that throat rippy, you know, whole thing. You um, have Mel Blank to thank for that. Yeah, absolutely. But like knowing that, I think is is my big gift coming into um, these these Luniversity records because I have a, a, a treasure trove of information to bring to the table. That's great. So I think that that does that actually answer the question was going out as opposed to focusing in was that okay? 100%. No, okay. this was fantastic. Yeah, I love that answer. And and you brought it to the bigger universe, which is actually what I'm going to bring up now because I I mentioned at the beginning of this cats and now I get to talk about the chillest cat of them all. <laughs> <laughs> and in Souffle Girl Hey the episode name for episode seven, you get to play the chillest cat, the son of Cool Cat, the seven uh-huh. arts character. And who knew that these classic but also forgotten Looney Tunes characters were going to have this resurgence yeah. in Tiny Tunes. You got Merlin the Magic Mouse and you got Cool Cat and they are rock stars. The way that they are envisioned in this new interpretation they come out as legends (laughs) and they really have been reinvigorated also fun fact alex lovey created both of them uh so i just think that is a love letter to alex lovey but chillis cat can you talk about bringing life to that cat (laughs) and having Port, I mean, it was it's basically you having a three-way conversation with yourself with Plucky yeah. and Hampton showing Chillis Cat around the Luniversity uh-huh. to show him why it's important and why it's cool. <clears throat> Are you a cool cat? Oh, nah, man. Cool cat's my dad's name. I'm Chillis Cat. Dad passed the cool school torch over to yours truly. I'm going to disrupt the old list and bring it into the 2.0. Uh, I actually, I, I, I got the uh, Billy West plaque for that. Uh, it's for, for talking to yourself and yourself. That's not a real thing. I just have admired the man for years. It's amazing what he does on Futurama. It is. Um, and there should be a thing. Right. The, the Billy West memorial <laughs> plaque for 
actors who talk to themselves and themselves. Um, <laughs> but no, I, the, the idea behind Chillist is actually, that was a funny session because um, they'll, they'll sometimes give me, you know, an extra character. Um, and it won't be from an audition. It'll just be like, okay, here, David's also going to do this. And so when we get in uh, to the session, we explore like, okay, what's that going to sound like? And when I went in, funny enough, having brought up Greg Sipes earlier, yeah. I was like, oh, this guy. He like totally seems like he'd be that kind of bro, bro. Like, oh, I want to know what's really going on at your school. I don't want to know what you want me to know. I want to know the heart and soul. Um Nailed it. And that's sort of what I did uh, to, to play with it. And I'm like, no, no. Uh, so his dad is going to be played by Fred Tattashore. And I went, oh, okay. So you want me to make him like this? Do you want me to be like, hey, yeah, I want to know what's really great about your school. You know, I want to know the heart and soul. I don't want to know what you want me to know. And uh, I'm like, no, no. I said, well, I mean, it's still like two octaves too high. It's not going to, nobody's going to confuse it for Fred. <laughs> right. Like, no, no. Um, this guy, he's uh, sort of a like a Silicon Valley guy, kind of a uh, Justin Timberlake in the uh, Social Network. Yeah. Sort of a, like a like a tech bro, kind of a uh, forgive me again, kind of a douche. Why don't you use your voice? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. Verbatim. <laughs> and I went, oh, I don't know if I should be insulted. And then we did it. <laughs> and I'm guessing you've seen the episode. And yeah, it works. It works. <laughs> when I was watching it, I was like, that sounds a lot like David. Just David. <laughs> yep. You know me. Good old tech bro. Tech, tech bro, bro, David Arrigo Jr. <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> well here's the funny thing and i won't tell you what it is but um i got an interactive audition recently for kind of a tech bro kind of a jerk kind of a um one of those guys and I yeah went, yeah you know what i'm gonna use my voice sure as hell book that audition <laughs> well you did create this voice to be fair <laughs> So a, a voice is whatever you make it, I think. That's right. It's all the acting underneath it. Yeah. You already did the work. Now you can just coast. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Well, David, um, one last question, and this is a fun one to round it all up. Sure. If you were enrolled in Acme University, what course or courses would you take? I, I, I would kind of hope that there was a um like a, a, a manifesting superpowers course ooh um yeah. because you know there's there's often a need in cartoons for characters to take on superpowers absolutely so whether they be uh you, you know altered or assisted by wily e. coyote um creating formulas for folks uh, to to take on superpowers, or whether it's just inbuilt in all of them, in sure. in each each tiny tune, um, I don't know, but I think that's I think that would be the course I would like to take because I'm a bit of a nerd myself. 
So you would just like to learn about all of the superpowers a tune can possess. And manifesting them, how to manifest okay. them. Not not just the history of, mm-hmm. um, not just cataloging it all, but how do you bring them into your everyday life? Well, Hampton does get to turn invisible in That's true. one episode. That is true. <laughs> Where are my p- uh, pants? <laughs> oh, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley and I joked about that too. Um, she wanted to be invisible, mm. so uh, very on point. Uh, we're we're keeping with the superhero type <laughs> abilities here, um, and it's not unknown to Looney Tunes. You had Wiley e. Coyote himself don a Batman cape and cowl yep. uh, to try to catch the Roadrunner, and Super Rabbit exists. So there mm-hmm. are super powered carrots that allow him to fly. So it is not unimaginable <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's what i'm saying like how did they learn to do that for those performances if that's what we're going to consider the Lo- the looney tunes are performances yeah um and that's what the tiny tunes are at acme university to learn how to uh replicate how did that happen or was oh it all gosh. special effects i love i need this episode I, I need there to be an episode about this now <laughs> <laughs> well, and and before we go too, we we met right. We met in in um at one of the cons, or am I confused? Yeah, no, uh, I was sitting in front of you and the cast at the screening for nice. the first two episodes that were premiered at Comic Con, and right. having that in my memory and something that. I will forever treasure is just near and dear to me. So thank you for, for that. But I'm Uh also just thankful that I got to sit there and listen to you guys giggle behind Uh me through the entirety of the first two episodes that were ever shown. It is, it is just an honor to have been there. And yes, uh, it was wonderful meeting you afterwards. So thank you. Of course. Oh yeah. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up, is there anybody you want to thank for Tiny Tunes or to have people on the lookout for their work with? Or um, or do you just want to shoot into your socials and where can people find you? On oh, that? my gosh. I mean, I, I would absolutely thank uh, Nate and Aaron. So great. And, and Sarah Noonan for for her part in it. Um, I, I had uh, actually when when the initial auditions were going around i was coached um i don't i don't often get coached on auditions but this was a big and important one enough to me that i reached out to someone sarah sherman who um does uh uh audition consulting and coaching for for actors um and that was a that's a huge uh benefit thank you fantastic um, and and I you mean, also saw the significance of the role so you knew that it took a little bit more to get it and to you know be respectful for what came before so that's great absolutely i mean i could i could go for miles and miles of just paper thanking everyone who's had an influence on my cartoon brain um because it's it's all every bit gets cataloged in there and everyone that has come before me everyone that's coming up alongside me um, you know, some of the people that I get to hear that are coming up next, yeah. um, it all informs what I do. So, I mean, really just thank you to anybody who participates in this space. Um, especially the people who have created the things that have helped make my brain the weird lump of bubblegum that it is. Um, because that, that only serves me to serve the medium. 
Absolutely. Very well said. And there's tuned DNA running through all of us, I feel. <laughs> these guys. Yes. <laughs> these, these men and women that have definitely, you know, created such wonderful animated projects from our birth and even before. I mean, you so, know, it's great. I, sorry to cut in, but I, I you know, I was in, um, shoot, where were we? I think Des Moines, Iowa. Mm. Um, and a couple tables down from me was Tom Ruger and Paul Rudd. Wow. Um, the creators of Animaniacs. And so I, I walk over. Well, and, and Tom created the original Tiny Toons. Yep, yep, that too. I walk over, and this is before I have been announced as the voice of Hampton and Plucky. But obviously, we had been working on it for almost two years. But because it wasn't announced, I was forced to have a conversation that went something like this. Hey, Tom, uh, man, it is really, really nice to meet you. I, uh, I cannot tell you how much of an impact Tiny Toons has had on my life <laughs> and my um, mindset about cartoons and my permission that I've given myself to, to go there, to loony places, to... to like next level stuff. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's not true. He was actually much more sweet and gracious than that. He was, he was very, um, uh, thankful, uh, verbally. Um, but it was so oh, almost like heart, heartbreaking to me, uh, for that weekend to just be telling these guys. And I went and I sat in on their, um, Animaniacs panel and, heard a bunch of different stories from them. And Paul did a little social media video with me and like really, truly very nice guys. But to have to be like skirting the issue the whole time was like, ah, so at San Diego, when I ran into Tom and I actually got to tell him like outright, I was like, Hey man, I'm, and he was like, no way. Hey, that's oh Mike. Oh, let's, let's get a picture. And like, so supportive and amazing. Really, 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 really wonderful people. And those, those, those are the kind of interactions you want to have, right? With the people who came before you that are, that are influential and are so stinking kind. Yeah. And shout out to Tom Ruger, who follows me on Instagram. Hey! He's just the sweetest guy. And I, I, I adore everything he posts. So Absolutely. Yeah. These, where would we be without these individuals, you know? Like, I really don't know. And it's a really scary world to think about. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, I mean, shoot, you think about the the fun that they created in those cartoons. And I think that's something that's really wonderful about what we've, um, what Nate and Aaron and and the team have, have created with our cartoon is that it is kind of a, a bit of a fun diversion. It's not heady stuff. Um, I mean, it's not dumb. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm layering on our show. I actually think our show is pretty sophisticated. But... Um, it's also something that you can come home, throw on the TV, and just have fun. Yeah. And not, like, stress out that it's going to be, um, you know, uh, telling you what to do with your life or, or you know, anything like that. There, there, is defi- there are places for that, right? But there are also places for fun. And it's I think great our show is really wonderful fun. Absolutely. Very well. How said. many how many characters did you count so far? By the way, how many have you have you pulled out? Uh, characters of what that I've voiced. Uh, today or in the show. <laughs> in the show. In the oh, show. um, I thought it was 
three. Uh, is there more than three? There are. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. Yeah, a couple of other little incidentals. Okay. Um, there's uh, Gustav von Aardvarkberg. Yeah, <laughs> this is my favorite version. Yeah. Um, or whatever. I think that's that's from... Um, oh, gosh. That's from the one where Hampton goes to school because they do the Airbnb. Um, yes. So the guy oh, with the yes. Antlers, the German guy. Yeah, yeah. That's me. Uh, have you watched the um, vintage clothing one? Yeah, you have, because mm -hmm. that's got the superpower. Um, John Lee Dove, who was the creator of the pencil sharpener, that was me as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, Prank Wars. Yes. Uh, Tommy Shark, that was me, bro. Um, <laughs> and the, the nerdy whale at the table. Um so, like I said, they they have been so generous and thrown me. That's amazing. You're um, all over the place. It's very very fun, and it's it's very sort of classic. Um, I was doing some interviews with Nate, and he was like, "Something that we loved about the old ones is, you know, they would use the same actor for a lot of different stuff, and we love trying to do that in our show because we think it pays homage to the originals." So, that's my little bit of a teaser for what to look out for for future episodes. Because I have more. <laughs> I can't wait. So thank you for that. And I am definitely going to go back and rewatch it. And I implore all of you to go back and check out Tiny Toons or rewatch it if you haven't already. Because David's throughout <laughs> and you know, never know where he's going to pop up next. Um, so David, <laughs> as he's popping up right now. Uh, David, where can people find you online? And do you want them to? Uh, they can find me on uh, Instagram at at E-R-R-I-G-O, my last name, voice, Arigo voice. Um, I probably won't answer DMs, but uh, if you comment on stuff, a lot of times I like and, and, you know, reply, especially if they're nice things. If you're being a jerk, I'm not going to pay you any attention because <laughs> um, I don't reward bad behavior. There's no um, time and place for that behavior anyway. And then over on uh, Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it, oh, yeah. um, it's the same thing at Arigo Voice. Um, we'll see how long that one sticks around because there's all sorts of turmoil on that platform. I don't know. There really but is. Instagram, it's a weird I time. Think, <laughs> what was that? But Instagram, I think, is staying, at least for me. Yes, I, I, I believe so. And uh, there's Blue Sky and there's a whole bunch of other things out there now. And, and I it's, think getting, I have... it's getting a little crowded. <laughs> I think I have those just to like claim my name. So I'm probably the same profile name on those. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's This Means Podcast. If you want to follow the podcast and stay up on everything going on in the Looniverse over at This Means Podcast or OFC This Means Pod on X, formerly Twitter. I don't know why we're still doing this, but we are. And that's the way it is. So yeah, right. also check out the YouTube where you might see this video and plenty of other content <gasps> around Tiny Toons. And keep it right here, because as always, <laughs> that's not all, folks. <laughs> Love it. <laughs>